Welcome back to the Bible in History. I'm Jeff Johnson and with me today of course is my mother Rebecca Johnson. And today we're going to be continuing uh, the discussion about the tower and where it was located. And uh, we might get into some other things, we might not. It's a very interesting and fun topic <laughs> so we get kind of distracted. Um, I'm going to begin by reading <laughs> Genesis 11.2. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And then I'm just going to jump over real quick. Daniel 1, 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So, uh, kind of a context on, on the land of Shinar. Uh, and, in the rest of the Bible there in Daniel as we discuss where the Tower of Babel was located. Yes. Shinar is actually mentioned eight times in the Bible and that's kind of important. Um, this particular passage about Nebuchadnezzar taking the goods to the house of his God in Shinar is interesting because in other passages he does take some of it to his capital in Babylon, and the Bible yeah. is very clear about that. So why did the Bible not say Babylon if it meant Babylon? Right. It didn't, for a reason. Shinar isn't in Babylon. Yep. Shinar is elsewhere, and it was on his way down to Babylon. Right. I personally believe, I'm just going to jump in and say it, I personally believe that you would find where the Tower of Babel was located if you went up to Tel Brak, a lost city of Akkad in northern Syria. This is, I'm not the only person who believes this, okay, for those of you who are like, okay, she's kind of nuts. There are other archaeologists out there who agree with this idea, and I'm going to give you a little bit of why. The area of the Tower of Babel would be near Tel Brak, which is an archaeological site, um, between Tel Brak, Tel Akhab, and Tel, oh, I can't even say that, Halaf, Something like in that. northern Syria. It's very close to the Turkish border, yep. like very, very close. That triangle zone is where I would definitely put the Tower of Babel. It is still meeting the definition of between two rivers it is a very fertile plain it would be the first fertile plain you would have come to coming down off of some people think that the ark might have landed on mount kuti but out of that mountain range as we talked about um akkad would rise up as a very powerful um, city-state yep. in its day and the interesting thing is um we may be looking for the wrong thing. I feel like, as you read the scripture personally, God took the tower out. Mm -hmm. It was destroyed. Yep. It was a symbol of a lot of, of sin and a lot of wickedness and, and a lot of um, evil. Uh, this is, it, it's kind of a, a remnant from the pre-flood world. Uh, that ideology uh, that got 
transferred over. There's a lot of rebellion in this action. There's a lot of things like that. And, and, and we see throughout the Bible the importance of um, symbols um, and, and whatnot. Um, so we, gotta, we have to remember, um, or we have to assume that, that this would, if it stayed up, it would have been used as kind of a, a waypoint for all these kinds of, of wickedness and rebellion and all of these different things and it would have tried uh satan wouldn't have used it to bring a lot of people back to it and and and, and worship and, and mm -hmm. religions and whatnot uh religious site um and so god would have quickly abolished that because it was his actions there were very specifically to ruin um its construction and to ruin its symbiol uh, Symbolism, right. that's the word. Symbolism. <clears throat> yes. Uh, so you don't want to just stop the work. You want to get rid of it entirely uh, because it will stand for the wrong things for all of eternity if you just leave it there. Yes. Um, the Bible also is very clear that they finished the cities, but they did not finish the tower. So yep. looking for a completed pyramid would be a waste of time. It's not there. Um, we also have to consider the fact that as much as we assume what we have built today is going to last forever, it doesn't. We are sitting on top of civilizations, not necessarily in the United States as much as in the Middle East. Right. And it goes, quite frankly, very far down. Um, archaeological digs, once they get going, really have to go quite a long ways down to find what they're looking for. And if you're looking in the wrong place, you won't be looking at all. Now, why would I think it's Telbrek? I need to get to that point. Um, <clears throat> there is so much I could say about this, but let's just point out a few of the obvious things. It's very interesting, not far from Telbrek, and let, uh, remember there were four cities to this nation, four major yep. metropolitan areas. At least. At least, and those are the four that the Bible mentions. And it's interesting because there is a place, and I, I know I'm not saying it right. I try so hard to say this right. Gobleki Tepe. Gobelki Tepe, maybe? <laughs> anyway. Some along those look lines. Some yes. Look it up. Concepts. It's a great read. Um, I wish I had a better command of Middle Eastern dialects to be yeah. able to say these words correctly. But... Interestingly enough, it is considered the oldest religious site in the world. It is a stone circle, a yep. huge megalith stone circle. Megaliths are gonna come into play a lot in the next couple of discussions as we get into the building of civilizations past the Tower mm -hmm. of Babel. And most interestingly of all, it was buried. Why was it buried? Archaeologists have no idea. They uncovered it, and it is an amazingly large complex. Stone circles lining up with the winter and summer solstice. And it would be in line with where I believe, personally, the Tower of Babel was located. This 
makes a lot of sense when you consider that this is the birthplace of all false religion. Right. So, we have this giant ruin, not really relatively close, to where Talbrek is. Talbrek is in a very fertile plain, and the land of Shinar was a fertile plain. Mm-hmm. Talbrek is between two rivers. It is interesting, throughout history, <clears throat> people do not tend to destroy religious sites. Yeah. It's just considered bad karma to do so. So why was this particular religious site buried and in a hurry? Mm-hmm. It would indicate from a biblical perspective that there is a real possibility that Gobleki Tepe and the Tower of Babel were connected in religious practice. And when the dispersion happened and everything went wrong, it would have been considered a cursed site. You would have wanted it. Obviously, they had already had issues where they didn't believe in God. Yeah. So yeah. they're following a satanic pattern. So they would then already believe in the gods, multiple, plural, and that the gods were angry and you would want to get rid of it. And it explains a little yeah. bit more about this. And especially um, with, with the changing of languages like that, like that's a really um, powerful <laughs> yes. moment. Like, it's a scary moment, you know, you're, you're, you're oh, working, whatever, and, and you can't, you're from one second to the next, you can't understand your coworker or your best friend or whatever, because uh, it would change by family groups, so you can understand your family. But if your best friend's not in your family, you ain't talking to him ever again. Um, yeah. And it's a very um, bizarre shift, you know. Uh, if, if a couple was dating, you know, bam, you can't speak True. to your, your girlfriend anymore or whatever. It's a really um, scary and disconcerting moment uh, that if you are, you know, if you, you have that kind of religious, you know, build up like this and 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 you you have the curses in there um that's going to be very easily considered a curse and it was a curse you know god cursed them yeah and whatnot um so it's going to be a very um thing and and then you can easily take that in in, in weird ways and and assume the site is cursed not necessarily that the action was cursed um, right because of, of wrong thinking and whatnot uh, exactly. And so, yeah, it was a very, um, quote, cursed moment for them. Uh, and, and you'd want to cover that up. You wouldn't want to dwell on that or, or be associated with that again. It, it fears that it would happen again. Um, it's also interesting to think about the fact that if they are in the plane of Shinar and if Talbrek is that plane, it's a flood plane. So it is going to flood. Um, repeatedly throughout history which would bury sediment and civilizations um so that would be another reason you wouldn't necessarily find it it took them a while right. to dig down to go blacky tepe and pull it out from the ground yeah. so um yet another reason we probably would not see it today regardless it did exist um i truly believe it is in northern syria that it existed i believe that 
Vlobek Tevi has something very much to do with the religion base at the Tower of Babel. And I think I have a little bit of time right now actually to get into a little bit because if, if I get into reading all the different name associations and, and how different things are translated, you're going to get bored. If you are into that technical kind of stuff, I do recommend you go to Answers in Genesis. There's a very technical article on this at Answers in Genesis that I highly recommend about where is the Tower of Babel located. Um, it gives you a lot of technical details, a lot of maps, a lot of information. So if you're into the techie stuff, archaeologically speaking, look it up, read it. It's a very interesting read. I really enjoyed it. But it wasn't just about this tower. It's interesting that they chose um, what would look like. It's interesting when you look at pyramids around the world, they look like mountains. And yeah. Satan is replacing the mountain of God, which is in scripture. Um, so that's a very interesting thing. But the Tower of Babel is also the basis of all false religion. Yeah. Nimrod, the founder of the cities of Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalmah, were also, he was also the founder of several false religions that we still see today. We just don't realize, we, we give them credit at a different point in history and we shouldn't. Yeah. Religions change names. That's something that we don't really understand, but they do. It's a very frequent thing for them to change names. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit um, because I actually do have time. Yay. So according to tradition, Nimrod married either his mother, ew, or a prostitute. Yeah. Her name was Semiramis. It's interesting because Semiramis shows up still today. I live in Brazil, we are missionaries here, and Semiramis is on all of our money. Interesting, huh? Yep. Nimrod and Semiramis would be the first couple used by God to undermine biblical promises in the post-flood world. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting because Nimrod becomes the dictator. So the first form of government after the flood is a dictatorship. Um, all we know about Semiramis as far as whether she was his mother or whether she was a prostitute from Erech, we cannot be certain. We have evidence for both. Um, maybe she was a prostitute first and was his right. mother and he married her. Regardless, it was a really sick situation. She was a very low moral woman. Um, very, very low. And it's very obvious from accounts that Semiramis was um, demonically possessed. And she would really take over the head of this false religious thing. Isn't that interesting? A woman. Because the woman is the one that was deceived at the Garden of Eden. And a woman is going to be the one that starts every false religion, basically, that we know today. Um, so, Semiramis has some interesting history. Her name yeah. is going to be twisted throughout history. You are going to find her in every false religion, and we're going to talk about that, and that might lop into the next one. So, Semiramis is known as the gift of the sea. Um... 
the Hellenized form of Semiramis, the Sumerian name is Samar Amat, or Gift of the Sea. Um, it's interesting because the Babylonian mystics said that Semiramis floated to the shore from the sea as an egg and attracted doves that hatched her. Which is kind of odd. Yeah. But it is interesting. And I'm going to offend someone right now and I really don't care. Um, if you look at the Catholic Cathedral in Managawa, Nicaragua, the whole top of the cathedral is covered in eggs because they know who they're worshiping. It isn't Mary, the mother of Jesus. It is Semiramis taking on the name of Mary. And we're going to point mm -hmm. this out. It's really obvious. Um, Semiramis, Nimrod, and their son Tammuz become the what is called the pagan trinity. Um, they are actually shown and this just blows my mind she has and um if you're watching us on youtube we're going to be putting up this image right now take a look if you're just listening on your headphones she has a muslim moon on her head mm -hmm. nimrod is depicted with horns as we often depict satan and Tammuz is a naked cherub, a little cherub. And I am going to talk about what a cherub, when we think of a cherub, naked baby, the pagan yeah. root of that. A biblical cherub has nothing whatsoever to do with a naked baby with wings. That has a right. very pagan connotation. They are quite mm. wicked. It's really disgusting. Um, and it's so, interesting to me, they have this, quote, trinity. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a blatant latent attack on on the divine trinity of god yes it is god the father god the son god the holy spirit and then you get this pagan trinity um once again satan coming in trying to um undermine god in every way he can um and especially this you know god's divinity and god's triune nature it's it's an important part of who god is uh and 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 his divinity and his all power or all our omniscience and uh, all that um, and and Satan right here from the very get-go from the very beginning Satan's going to attack that and try to bring that down and try to just completely destroy that in every way he can by creating this falsehood of, of the pagan trip. absolutely um, so we gotta we gotta keep our, our eyes open for any any kind of attack like that where Satan's coming in and, and he can be very subtle sometimes, uh, and, and in cases like this, he can be very blatant. Yes. Um, but he's, he's going to catch someone, and we have to keep our eyes open for when he, he brings that in. Because um, he brings it in in every area. He does. And um, this couple was an incredibly dangerous couple, and they still affect us today. Um, yep. Next time, we are going to talk more about the specifics of the false religions founded and how you can see the proof of that still today in our mm -hmm. society. So um, I hope that you will tune in and learn about this yeah. very fun stuff. It'll be a very interesting, I think a very important episode. Because, I agree. Um, learning 
learning uh, where all these things come from and, and why they sh sprung up, how they sprung up, um, and, and how Satan's using them uh, still today to affect us, um, our thinking, even in, in, in independent fundamental Baptists, uh, it still corrupts our thinking and our, our, our doctrine and whatnot if we're not careful. So I think it's a very important episode, so come join us next week. Yes. If you have any questions about any of this stuff, we'd love to answer them at thebibleinhistory at gmail.com. So uh, email us that, or you can comment. Uh, we'd love to try to answer any uh, any questions, any uh, concerns you might have uh, at any of those places. So join us next week. We'll look forward to seeing you there. today's video please like and subscribe to our channel you can also follow us on spotify apple podcasts audible and google podcasts